Okay, uh, good morning, good afternoon, good evening. Welcome to this Christmas Day live stream. It's midnight 30, actually midnight 31 according to my laptop. So this is the first stream of several probably on Christmas Day. And I've got a radio show to do at some point as well later on today if, I, if I'm in the right mood. I'm not obliged to do it, but I've got a slot booked on Saturday afternoons that I do regularly. Uh, so I may do that, or I may just do occasional live streams when I find something worth sharing. That's what I'm doing with this one. Um, I found a piece on BitChute from about a month ago, which is an interview with David Martin, and David Martin is always worth listening to. So I'm just going to play it. It's from... Uh, global alternative media or some such thing uh, so I'll give them credit for, for doing the interview but it's about half an hour I'm just going to let it play through we need to start because if we, we they will get far more violent with new things that they're going to contact now in 2026 Josh Sirtson, World Alternative Media here, and we are joined by the incredible David Martin, PhD. Today, I really want to talk to you about something that a lot of people have been asking about regarding the tyranny that we're witnessing around the world right now, is what this is truly a war on. They're going after bodily autonomy, they're going after every basic freedom we have, and it seems as though they're going after the human spirit almost. They're going after humanity itself, the most essential individual freedom that anyone has bodily autonomy can you break down how or what what is the goal of the establishment in mandating vaccines for children obviously with studies that show that it's extremely dangerous they're still going for the throat what is the actual goal of the establishment in doing something so atrocious so in 1604 you know we have we have the the formation of the british east india company around the same time the Dutch East India Company. More importantly, we have the charter that grants the notion of a limited liability corporation. And this is not where most people expect me to go with this answer, but it's where we need to start. The minute we decided to make corporations incapable of having the culpability for the actions that are taken by the people who are both their financial interest holders as well as their executives, we actually lost touch with what humanity means because humanity includes accountability. And so for the last now 425 years, what we've had is a world in which it has been perfectly acceptable for corporations to take actions that are by definition inhumane and in many instances explicitly anti-human. Not surprisingly, when we see the birth of this country in the 1700s, we see the emergence of what was supposed to be this great human experiment, Tocqueville called it, you know, the house on the hill, and he talked about this great potential of this humanist experiment. But the problem is, if we go from the period of 1774 to 1815, what we see is that what we lost was the monarch, what we lost was the pope, what we lost was the ecclesiastical structures, what we lost was all of the big, you know, named candidates for who controls us. But what we accepted in that deal was the corporation. Now, here's the problem. The problem is when you have a shield of immunity 
you actually also have no accountability for the actions that you're taking, whether they are planned or executed. And when we look at the long arc, in 2011, the World Health Organization, NIAID, the Gates Foundation, and several others got together. World Bank was involved in this decision. But in 2011, they got together and said that for the decade, from 2011 to 2020, we had to build a universal dependence on vaccine. That was a published statement, signed off on by everybody. Now, we need to do that for two reasons. The first is that if we're going to build an industrial model of what it means to be human and healthy, the industrial model needs to have something which tags you at birth as forever dependent on the things that the corporations are going to produce. And so, and by the way, we see this in the language that Anthony Fauci uses in the steering committee minutes in the entire decade of the 2010 to 2020. Every moment he can, he refers to a universal infant pan-influenza vaccine. Now, why on earth would we pick that? Well, we pick it because it's absolutely unnecessary. Infants do not have an influenza risk like aging populations do. So the idea for a universal infant influenza vaccine, which, by the way, Congress appropriated each year, while none of us were paying attention, Congress appropriated every year for that particular initiative to advance as a specific line item. The reason why we do it is because what we're going to do is we're going to build a corporate dependency that says that every child by birth is dependent on a corporation. And then, and here's the insidious part, we need the camel's nose to get under the tent so that we can get the second piece, which is much more damaging, to be accepted. And that is CRISPR technology. That's the gene editing, palindromic series editing of genomes. Now, the reason why we need to do that is because if ultimately we need to control your life, your quality of life, and the timing of your death, and listen to that last piece, the timing of your death, if we need to control all those things, the only way we can do it is defile the integrity of the human system by its organismal definition. And we need to do that with this pan injection kind of strategy. So the long game is to control the arbitrage of life and death. Now, mind you that for the last 150 years, we've already lost this battle. So let's be really clear. Life insurance by its very structure in the, 19, in the 1870s, so right after the Civil War, in the 1870s, when life insurance companies became the largest growth GDP contributor to our economy, and you heard what I just said, more than steel, more than coal, more than rail, life insurance. They realized that betting on mortality was the best bet in the world because we can prey on people's fears, we can prey on people's you know sense of overconsumption. We can do all the things that we want because what we're doing is buying essentially their morality away from them by selling them this thing called life insurance. If you go back and you examine the period of time from then till now, the Holy Grail is figuring out how to control the timing of the expiration of human life. And, and I want to circle back to that in a moment, but I want to find, uh, kind of talk a little bit about a puzzle piece that's in there, yeah. which is one of the most genius things the governments of the world have ever done, which is social credit. It's not a good thing, yeah. but they are really pushing going for the throat in every single realm from food and water vaccines um to your basic freedoms divide money you name it um 
do you think that they will succeed in being able to create a broad range social credit system if people are dropping everywhere from, uh, you know, autoimmune disorders, all the problems that do come with this vaccine? Do you think that they will be able to establish it if everyone's dying off? I mean, can they actually achieve their goal? Well, the good news is their goal has already failed. Its expiration date is 2026. Most people don't understand that, but there's a very simple reason why I say that. The Social Security Trust Fund, which actually has a linchpin role in what's going on right now, goes to zero in 2026. By the way, the only way we could have gotten to 2027 was if we had decreased benefits this year, 2021. We had to decrease benefits by over 20% and increase the payroll tax by 15%. And that was just to make it to 2027. We still would have been out of gas in 2027. We didn't do that. We just raised benefits and we didn't do anything to raise the tax. So that combined means we actually hit the end of our current economic model in 2026. Now, the good news about that is that when we are sitting in 2021 and we know that the date, the used by date on our economy has a real expiration date. The great news is this is the last gasp of a money grab that's going on right now which knows that it has to make all of its money between now and the next five years. Cool thing about that is if we know that, we've got two options. One is we can start creating alternatives, which blow up their plans. That's a good thing. But the other thing is we can actually do some things to accelerate their pain. Because if we know what's happening, which is we are funneling disproportionate amounts of money, over 30% of our economy indirectly, into what we call industrial pharmaceutical health care. If we blow that thing up sooner then the good news is they won't have time to do the transition that they want to do. And that's exactly what we're working on doing. See, I, I completely agree with you. I, I do have some concerns sometimes when it comes to what some people like James Corbett, for example, will say is hopium. It's this idea that, I mean, I'm optimistic long term, don't get me wrong. But in the next couple of, a couple of years, I mean, I have a really hard time because people have said we'll never let it get to that point. We, that can't happen. That they can't get away with that, but they have. And now they're mandating um, vaccines in places like California for five to 12 year olds. I mean, if there was ever a point for the Second Amendment, not supporting violence, but if there's ever a point, I mean, when they're going for a five year old to inject okay. them. No, I, I totally agree. But here's the point. And this is not hope, by the way. I, I'm not a big fan of hope. In fact, in my book, Lizards Eat Butterflies, I have a whole section on why I hate the word hope, because it says something about the present is somehow inadequate. And we have this illusion that somehow something about the future is somehow better. My view isn't that. We are living precisely in the moment of exactly every moment, and we're in the perfect moment right now. Why I'm saying what I'm saying is that the the reason why I have the level of enthusiasm I have is because I know that we have a horizon that both the forces of light and the forces of darkness both know. And that's an unusual advantage, because historically, that's not always been human's narrative. Now, the great news is we always land on our feet. That's always been the case. Go back and read the story of human history, and we've got a lot of dark ages, and we've got a lot of nasty times, and we always land on our feet, so that's the good news. But the better news is it's very rare. In fact, you'd be hard-pressed to find a time any in, anywhere in history where the information arbitrage does not favor the darkness. In the past, it always has. Now, we actually have the same information they have, and that means we also have the ability to play on a game, on a board, on a chess match that they never had a counter mover on. And that's what we love because that tells us 
that they left a flank exposed. And so I'm entirely enthusiastic. The great news is I'm working on building a number of things which are in fact linking resources, linking energy, linking connections, linking networks, linking all kinds of other things to alternative ways that we can do commerce that actually don't need the fiat systems and we don't need any of the kind of limited reserve systems or anything else. We don't need any of those because there are better ways to do it. Absolutely. We are actually creating a new civilization to re replace the old one. Um, and, and circling back to the good overcomes evil eventually, always. So let's talk about that evil for a second here, because I think this is very important. Um, many people often ask, why on earth would they try to depopulate and kill the most compliant people on the planet and leave back, leave the people left that are most likely going to, I'm not supporting it, but probably lynch these people later for what they've done to humanity. Why would they do that? And obviously the question comes up, is this just a giant uh, genocidal ritual, a, a, a human sacrifice? Like what, what is it that they that they don't seem to have any fear. It seems like it's temporary control, temporary money, but they must have an end goal to this outside of just control and money because it seems very spiritual more than almost anything else. So I think it's existential and I think it's actually tragic, not, not any of the hyperbolic things that most people would put on it. I've met an enormous number of the people who are in fact very much in charge of the current narrative. Unique to this population is a very tragic human story, which is most of them have their progeny that they were proud of died in some form of ski accident, boating accident, something else. And the ones who have remaining children are not proud of the remaining children. Now, I'm a father, and it turns out as a father, I always have my children and their children's lives somewhere in my consciousness. I don't know how painful it would be as a parent to look at the next generation and wish they didn't make it. But the people who are running the show right now all have that going on. There's a very simple explanation. If you have no view of a future that includes your optimistic outlook for the next generation, if you are convinced that your next generation is inferior to you, then appealing to your humanity is a tough thing to access. What I find is that this is a moment in time where I think we need to actually open up a space where we start actually thinking compassionately, and I don't mean justifying behaviors, I mean thinking compassionately about individuals who are genuinely suffering. There's a high probability that decisions that were made a long time ago made Anthony Fauci think that it's okay to have acceptable death rates in clinical trials. But for a person to actually make the decision that it's an acceptable thing to kill people in the name of advancing science or technology is actually a horrific statement, not on a broad scale. It's, it's actually a horrific statement reflecting on the spiritual nature of that particular individual and the hurt and the harm that has gone on in their life. My goal is actually very simple. I don't want to lynch anybody in the streets. And I actually think that the population that lasts is actually going to be a population that is thoughtful and considered. You do not find among the people who are resisting the current narrative, you don't find the same level of violence that you find in the people who actually took the shot and now are angry at the population who hasn't. I mean, I look at social media, I look at popular culture, I look at mainstream media, and the fact of the matter is comedians who were funny five years ago are now angry at audiences that haven't taken the vaccine. Now, ask yourself the question, what on earth is that about? Why are you angry about my noncompliance? Well, here's the funny thing. 
we've made the mistake of thinking that the people who took the shots are actually somehow acquiescent and compliant. They're actually quite violent. And the funny thing is, they actually were willing to take this because their life sucked. If your life is actually going well, you don't take this shot. If your life is tragic, you hate your job, you hate your marriage, you hate your kids, you hate your relationships. That's who's lining up for this thing. And a lot of people do appear to feel as though they're in some kind of movie and they're yeah. a character in a movie. It's what it's bringing reason to their life. Exactly. But but think about that. If you and I have a meaningful, purposeful life and somebody comes along and says, hey, take this shot. and It's somehow going to make your life better. And I already have a good life. You don't have anything to offer me. If my life already sucks and you say, well, this is saving you from death. Yeah, I'm probably willing to take whatever the deal is because I hate my life anyhow. So, so the issue is, I think what we're doing is probably narrating a bit of the wrong story, and we need to start thinking about it slightly different. I think the people who have lined up for these shots are actually people who have hurt, who have found, found their life to be pointless, who are going to nine-to-five jobs that they hate. They're in interactions that they hate. They don't have a close social network. Listen. If you can tell me that you're okay with Thanksgiving dinner served in plastic cutlery, you actually don't have Thanksgiving. So guess what? That's on you. That's not on me. What happens at my Thanksgiving is we have entirely reusable china, entirely reusable silverware, and we're going to have people slobbering all over each other, and we're going to have great Thanksgiving. See, when we look at it that way, what we can actually access is a level of empathy that says there's a bunch of hurting people out there who are actually living pointless lives, and the only thing they've ever been able to do is jump on this bandwagon. This is their first time to be on a team. This is their first time to be cheering for the the winning side, whatever they call it, right? But the problem is they've chosen a path of death, but that's because they already had chosen a path of death. This is not the disease. It's just a symptom of the disease that already set in. So I think I think where we are, really, is, is a situation where Yes, there are going to be casualties, and yes, empathetically, I think my empathy is wearing thin, because if you now inject anybody with the knowledge that you can have, then I'm sorry, but that's on you. And, and one has to look back, for example, at the American Revolution. People have to remember that only around 10% of a country at any given time are passionate about an issue, and the other 90% follow blindly just to be comfortable. It's just the best way for them to not be socially ostracized. And like I mentioned with social credit, with people on social media, they're looking for likes and, and follows and shares people to like them and the group to support yeah. them. And they can be censored, so people are self-censoring in real life. It comes at us from so many angles. I do want to um, finish this off. I have one more question, and I, I this is something that a lot of my fans and a lot of viewers and fans of yours have been asking me uh, to ask you. And I think this is very important, because this goes down to the premise of the so-called PSYOP and the fear-based mind control cult that's been established in the last year and before that. Um, it is regarding the isolation of this so-called virus. Um, a lot of people are asking, they say, well, look, all we can find is vera monkey kidney cells that they um, cultured it in and compared to a computer simulation. There's no evidence of COVID actually existing. What did people die from? Well, pneumonia that wasn't treated, etc. There's many different answers for that. But what do you say to those that say, the premise is wrong. There is no COVID. Um, oh, can you go into that a little bit? Yeah, well, let's be really clear. There's not a novel coronavirus, and there has been no coronavirus test done on anybody at all 
no matter if you go back to December of 2019 in China or fast forward to any day that you want now. We are testing in RT-PCR protein and viral fragments. We are not testing for a virus. There is no novel virus. There is no test for a novel virus. There is no novel virus. Even on GISAID, which is the, the, the phylogenetic trees of what's called the genomes that have been sequenced, sequenced and put up on the public servers, on every one of them, not a single one of them is a full-length intact anything. What it is is a series of simulations where essentially puzzle pieces are put together and people say, we think this is roughly what the genome is. So there is no thing called a virus. Equally, there is no thing called COVID-19. It's a set of symptoms. It happens to be a catch-all that includes influenza-like illness, and it has idiopathic pneumonias and a bunch of other things. And the fact of the matter is all those things are actually in fact, part of the human condition, have been part of the human condition. And if we look at all-cause mortality, it turns out that one place that you can look, which I always look, is whether or not we had excess life insurance benefits paid out over the last 22 months. And the answer is no. Now, if you're going to tell me that this alleged virus, this alleged disease, is smart enough to pick the uninsured, you got something really wrong with your brain. Because the fact of the matter is, if we really had a financial consequence for this particular event, we would have seen it in life insurance financial statements, and we don't, which means that there was an excess death. That's a really important thing to get out there. But what we have to do is take a step back and say, so what is the it? And the it is there is a bioweapon. University of North Carolina, Chapel Hill, actually weaponized the spike protein. There is no question about that. And in November of 2019, they did a material transfer agreement with Moderna to take the bioweapon and actually upload it to the Vaccine Research Center at NAID and pass it to Moderna. We know that because they've admitted to that in writing. That was in November of 2019, a month before there was ever supposed to even be the existence of a disease. Now, why would you upload the spike protein for a vaccine the month before there's any evidence of a disease that allegedly leaked out of nature in a wet market, right? Absolutely lunatic, absolutely psychopathic to think that that's actually a real story. This was a material objective to take what 2018 did not deliver. Because in 2018, we had excess influenza-like illness, and we had a huge amount of deaths that year. And unfortunately, the public didn't fall for the shot. And Fauci was furious, because here are all these people dying, allegedly of flu, they tried to push every CVS, every Walgreens, every everything, try to push out, get your flu shot, get your flu shot, and nobody fell for it. And they were so angry about that that they had to manufacture the illusion of a pathogen, which is the reason why the September 2019 World at Risk World Health Organization publication said that we need a simulation on a respiratory-borne pathogen so that we can get the public to accept a universal pan-coronavirus vaccine. We need the media to create the hype. We're going to use the hype to our advantage. That's a quote from 2015 published by the National Academy of Sciences in 2016. That's not an allegation. It's the admission of a crime, and that crime is shooting bioweapons into people right now. It is absolutely fascinating to me that they, they've done this before. Yep. They just didn't succeed in the AIDS, HIV yep. situation. And somehow they managed to kill a bunch of people with 
what Fauci pushed onto the public, this chemotherapy medication. And I met many people who had AIDS, so-called AIDS in the 80s. And they told me as soon as they started taking vitamin C and stopped taking this medication, they were fine. But the people who took this medication, almost most of them either died or lived a terrible life. And now we see it repeating. But now we have social media and all the social ostracization that you could throw into the mix to push people psychologically into this. It is truly incredible. And um, as I close this off, um, do you think that we will be able to get out of the situation in the next year or two, or is it going to be another five or 10 years? Because it appears to me right now into this winter, people's immune systems are going to be shattered from this uh, vaccine. People are going to die from the flu, the cold, and it's going to be blamed on us. And that'll justify them using violence against us. First it comes, you know, um, it's consent. It's enslaving by consent and then enslaving by conquest later when they have to get rid of the final people. Do you think that this will go on another uh, couple years or uh, another five, ten years? Can we escape this insane nightmare reality that we're living in right now anytime soon? Well, so I'm working with a bunch of U.S. attorneys and attorneys general right now to actually try to bring felony charges against the racketeering allegations that I've been making for the last two years. And we're making progress. We have a number of AGs that appear to be ready to go forward with a case. And the minute we actually have a felony charge against any of the co-conspirators, the emergency use authorization blows up. So my optimism around that is relatively high. I think we are going to wear this thing down to the point where the EUA goes away. And with that, now Pfizer and Moderna and Johnson Johnson, AstraZeneca, all those guys are going to be liable for injuries and deaths. And they will stop injecting people the minute they have financial liability, which is kind of the whole point of what I'm doing. That said, remember the real issue is an economic reset on the back of a redefinition of what humanity is. And CRISPR got approved while we were watching COVID. And that's not okay. We the people should have been up in arms about CRISPR approvals, and we sat there debating on face masks when that was happening. We have to make CRISPR an issue. We have to make gene editing of the human genome an issue. We have to be saying it's not okay to make proprietary modifications to the human genome. That's not an okay thing. Never has been, never will be. That's not an acceptable thing. And we have to realize that the big play here is the industrial pharmaceuticals last grasp at trying to maximize their profits between before 2026. So we need to start destabilizing the pharmaceutical industry because if we don't, they will get far more violent with new things that they're going to concoct between now and 2026. So the goal right now is to disrupt the EUA and to disrupt the cash flow supporting the pharmaceutical industrial complex. And those are the two things that I'm doing. You are one of the most fascinating people uh, speaking out today. I really appreciate your time today. Can you tell everyone who doesn't yet know where they can find more information and support the work you do? You bet. So um, activatehumanity.com is a place where we have a lot of our shows. David Martin World on YouTube. I'm on all social media platforms. Still am. Haven't been taken off yet, so there you go. Um, And then uh, my wife and I have fullylive.world and the fullyliveacademy.com. Fullyliveacademy.com is where a bunch of... Our content is going to be going for um, some, some of the more in-depth stuff. And then the two books that you know are probably interesting, if you want the philosophy side of my world, Lizards Eat Butterflies. And if you want to know how I know so much about what's going on in this world and the actual events that gave rise to me being invited into a position to help architect this kind of craziness, have a read of CUDA 12, that's C-O-U-P-D 12, the number 12 spelled out. Um, the Enterprise That Bought the Presidency, Coup de 12, and Lizard Z Butterflies, two books that are worth reading. So 
That's how you find us. Fascinating stuff. I urge everyone to check the links below and, of course, support his work because it is, it's never been more working out this insane tyrannical totalitarian. That's absolutely true. So that was David Martin. David Martin is a fascinating man. And uh, he deserves your support. And I, I'm going to post more and more and more stuff. As much stuff as I can find that I can reasonably post. So all of his podcast interviews will I'll go up here. I'm not going to steal anything from his website, but I'd like to. I really would like to because it's good, good material. Uh, so that's it for now. It's one o'clock in the morning. I've got to try and get some sleep at some point. But uh, for now, I'm going to say good night and I'll see you tomorrow or later today.